0: Welcome to Pet Chat, lovely to be back again. Cheryl Shaw, David Tabrett, so lovely to have you both. What have we got coming up on Pet Chat?
1: Um, Sarah, today I'm just going to talk a little bit about, a. it's quite a complex subject, meningitis, but in particular, uh, a problem we see with rat lungworm.
0: Well, that doesn't sound good.
1: I know, I'll get into it later.
0: But Cheryl, we're looking at an important part of maintenance for our pooches, and that does involve doing their nails.
2: Absolutely. Now, just like you, Sarah, with you um, having your nail caught and ripped on something, Mm. that can happen to dogs too. So when dogs' nails get long, they you know, they look a little bit ugly as well, but they can get (laughs) caught on things, they can rip, they can tear. And that really um, creates a problem. Just like with us, if we pull our quick back too far or when our nail catches like that, it causes a lot of pain. So we need to make sure that we're doing regular maintenance with our dog's nails. Usually, depending on the breed, if you've got a little dog like um, a toy breed, they usually don't wear their nails down when they're walking. You can often hear, you probably hear Gizzy sometimes tapping along the floorboards, the tiles, tiles, yep. And when they're constantly tapping on the floor or or their toenails are tapping, it actually, when they're striking those nails, it causes percussion to go back up their nails. But if they're really long, their nails can actually um, bend out to the side. That can create a lot of discomfort and pressure on those little dogs' nails. So again, if they're overweight, this adds even more problem to them. So we need to make sure that we're cutting their nails otherwise it's going to do damage to their tendons and to their pastins and the bone structure of their feet so when a dog is walking if it's having difficulty with its nails being long you'll often find that um, they walk in a funny fashion it's what is called the gait and I'm a myofunctional therapist and I do a lot of gait analysis for both show dogs and dogs that are actually you know presenting with a problem and often I find that it's because the nails are too long some of the other problems that you get with nails is the dew claw. The dew claw will actually, it's a little rudimentary claw inside mm. the dog's yep. foot. It will actually curl and curl into the pad and it is Ooh, really, ouch. really painful. Yeah, because it can puncher punch into there. And um, that often requires uh, the dog to see the vet because that um, puncture wound can get infected. But it's really, really painful. So, you know, it's something that we need to be aware of, keeping a check on just how fast our dog's nails are growing. Most dogs' nails do grow pretty rapidly and um, and if we cut them and we cut them correctly, there's not that issue with the puncturing of the, the dog's pads. So,
0: Cheryl, can we cut these nails ourselves, or are we best to take them to a professional? Can I just whip out my nail file and mm. go, come on, Giz, it's pedicure hour? Okay. I, I'm not so opposed
2: to Nona using a nail file. Okay. But there's certainly only one correct way to cut nails. You need to make sure that all of the nails are cut with correct nail cutters. Some nails Nail cutters actually squish the nail when they cut them. So instead of giving a nice clean edge, they actually squish the nail. And some of the um, nail clippers that are on the market actually tell you to use the little guide or the, the little shield that's at the back of the nail cutter. I know through experience with people coming into my place of work that when that happens, they have cut into the quick and created a lot of pain for the dog because sometimes the vein or the little quick inside is elongated, and when the owner cuts through, they cut through into that vein. So there's another way that you, um, when you are cutting the nail, you need all of the nails to be the same length and cut on the right angle because if you leave one nail a bit longer than the other, when the dog is walking, it's just likely to that that nail will hit if it's a little bit longer or the incorrect shape and the dog will again create a problem in its movement because it'll be hitting there first maybe again bending the foot out so it's not a good idea um, and you do need to make sure that the nails are cut back um, right just to before the quick so that the quick doesn't grow because if you're just constantly tipping the end it is going to make it impossible to get a really um, short healthy nail with my dog I've got a standard poodle if you're showing standard poodles you have to have those nails really short and that makes the dog present better when it's moving of course because those nails aren't touching the ground Mm. yeah so it's
0: really important that you do make sure that the nails are trimmed regularly it's quite complex and I'm being serious when I say this it's easier to cut my children's Nails mm. than it is our, our animals, yep. our, our four-legged friends.
2: Absolutely, because you can't see where the vein is, particularly if the dog's nail is a black nail. Mm. So you can't actually see where that little vein is inside the nail. So if you cut into it, the dogs, it's going to really hurt. But dogs have great memories as well. If they have a pain, mm. they're going to not let you do that foot again. So some people do struggle trying to do them. But it's certainly, um, you know, another reason that um, dogs need their nails cut. If they're going up and down stairs, if their nails are long, they'll often get freaked out because they are frightened they're going to fall. Are they a
0: bit slippery almost? Yeah, they just can't get a good footing, a
2: good solid sound footing. Um, So they'll often freak out about going up and down stairs. So,
0: Cheryl, how often should we be be checking... our Pet's nails, you know, is this like a monthly cut, or how you know it'll depend on the
2: dog? Some dogs, like cavaliers, their nails grow really fast and they may need a monthly trim. You know, some dogs may go six weeks and that's no problem, but again, just regularly checking the dog's nails, making sure that they're not growing, and of course, those little dew claws that certainly um, don't get any percussion on them and they don't wear down at all. Some dogs, um, often clients will say, oh, you know, my dog walks all the time, its nails should be fine. But some dogs' nails actually don't touch the ground, but they can be quite long. Um, So, again, just checking that their nails are short enough.
0: And hello to Janelle from Stockton. You want to talk to David about your kitty cat? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Hi, David. Thanks for taking the call. No
1: worries, Um, Janelle. What's going on?
0: um, Harrison is turned one last November. Mm Mm-hmm. And he doesn't go anywhere slowly. Everything's a 1,000 miles an hour. Look out. (laughs) Full chat, bulge over, bruises on my legs when he runs into me. Um, However, when he does stop, and it's a sudden stop, um, Mm -hmm. he sits there and pants like a dog.
1: Oh, okay. And uh, how long does he sit for?
0: No, a couple of seconds, and he's off again.
1: He's off again. (laughs) Um, Cats uh, do pant, actually. Just the same as dogs, it's just that they're probably a bit more circumspect with their reckless energy expenditure so they don't get as hot. Um, Obviously in a young cat, he's just hyper excitable running around the house and uh, if he can sit for a few seconds and then go again, I think all all is fine. Oh good, good. Um, But yeah, cats are exactly like dogs in that they, they don't have sweat glands on their skin. So if they do overheat at all, they need to get rid of, rid of that heat energy through their breathing, through their mouth, and so they'll pant. Now, cats will also pant. We see this a lot when they get very stressed.
0: No, right, yep,
1: yep. So any anxiety, and sometimes people will say, for instance, around, you know, if there's larger dogs around, uh, the cat will sit there panting, or maybe even thunderstorms. I've seen cats come in and they're panting for that reason, but... From what you describe, I think you know those brief periods. I wouldn't be too concerned.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think he's just so hyperactive, and he just likes to go, go, go. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And the and the key there is that you said that clue is that he'll go again.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. He
1: does. Yeah.
0: Sounds like a healthy, uh, healthy kitten, doesn't he?
1: <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to ask for advice about how to protect your legs, but uh... <laughs>
0: oh, oh no, I'm giving up worrying Shin about guards. that.
1: <laughs> Shin guards. There <laughs> yes, you go. The
0: only way. Paul from Hamilton, and you've got a question about your dog for Dr. David Tabaret.
3: That's correct, yes. I've got little patch. He's 18 months old, and uh, he's, um, he's got, like, he's on the back of his tail, it curls up, and just in between his tail, the end of it, about halfway down, seems to be losing a little bit of fur, but he's not itchy or anything there, and I'm just wondering what's going on there.
1: Halfway down the tail. Um, yeah, so, down
3: halfway down the tail on the inside of it. it it's not much fur missing, but there's mm, a little bit. Mm. Um, and it looks like it's starting to get... The patch is starting to get a little bit bigger. And that's his name, Patch, too. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Now, that has he got...
3: the reason, I don't know. But.
1: Yeah. Does he have um, any hair missing over the, the... At the base of the tail, over his rump?
3: No, not at all. Yeah. No. No, okay. nothing at all. No. And um, we, we do wash him with a... Um, it's a, it's a pet care we get it it's called um oh, it's like a cuz he he's got pink skin we we give him yeah. the the um oh, i forget the name of it but anyway it's it, it stops his skin from going really pink. Yep. And um yeah and but that's it 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 seems to be spreading like a little bit towards these towards the back of him so it tends to worry me a bit that's all so
1: fair enough. Um there is a condition in dogs where they can get um, problems with the oil glands in their skin in that area, and that yep. can that can affect hair follicle growth as well. Um, right. Sometimes if the tail is curled over excessively, we can also get a fold occurring, and you can get the opposing skin rubbing, which can cause some hair loss also. That, seems, yeah. and the that o- makes sense. Yeah, the other thing is to look for whether the hair is shorter like it's been chewed off or broken or if it's completely come out if it's completely come out then I'd be thinking more along the lines of what we were just saying about the the oil glands and so on but if it's been that it's chewed off then it's probably something that's irritating him and um, we always check for fleas in that circumstance but the other thing I've sometimes seen is uh, dogs that have had previous tail injuries can sometimes get irritation of the nerves in their tail and they'll you know just chew at their tails incessantly so um, if it is starting to spread I think it certainly would be something to get checked out just to make sure we don't have any one of those other causes there Uh, otherwise it might be one of these oil gland problems which um, yeah
3: Okay, I was just I was just hoping that it wasn't going to be one of those mites that just continuously goes and then all of a sudden loses all his hair on his back, you know. Like, mm. I wouldn't like it to get that far. That's all. But um, yeah. Like I said, the shampoo we use, it's a it's a shampoo that doesn't irritate the skin. So um, and he's not chewing at it. That's the thing. It's it's really weird. Usually, if they get an irritation, they'll sit there and chew at it. But yeah. he's not even doing that. It doesn't even seem to be annoying him.
1: Well, that, that's, the, that's the good news um, and if we work with that but I, I agree with you, I think it's something we do need to get him checked out for um, just to make sure there's not another issue as we were talking about um, and it probably, it probably won't be a problem in the long term
0: Thanks for your call, uh, Paul always great having you on and we've got Barry now from Swansea, now you've got a comment on cutting dogs toenails
3: Yes, I have a, Good morning, um, I've got a five-year-old Australian Terrier Cross rescue dog. I've had him three years. And I can't cut his nails, the groomers can't cut him. He carries on like drama queen. Uh, For example, I went to cut some fur between his pads, but he chews all the time. And I just touched the scissors on top of his paw, didn't cut, didn't do anything. He spent the next ten minutes limping around the house. (laughs) <laughs>
0: he sounds like a real sook I reckon Cheryl could have a crack <clears throat> Not a problem
2: Yeah, look, some dogs um, can pick up on their owners When they when you're a little bit nervous uh, approaching the nail cutting And yep. they can really pick up on that You need somebody that's very confident in what they do yep. And normally there's no problems with that
3: well, you took him down to the groomers And they won't do him They said, no, we're not touching him Because he just went absolutely ballistic mm. Crying and carrying on When they didn't even cut, they just went grabbed his paw ready to cut. And apparently they're experienced because they do it all the time. There's no way he would let them touch them. So how do you get on there? You just have to put up with long nails, do we?
1: Um, I'll I'll jump in here as well, Barry, because um, as a vet we sometimes see these scenarios where it's so distressing to the pet, and yet you've got to get that done. And we've uh, had pets that we've had to anaesthetise or sedate Puppy Valium. Right. To allow us to get close. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that helps in the short term. Long term, this becomes a behavioral management problem. Right. And uh, one of the things that you mentioned was, you know, you just put the scissors on top of the paw. You didn't yep. actually cut anything. Nothing. Yeah, nope. That's actually one of the steps that we would use in a training yep. program. Yeah. And... The approach we would use here is conditioning. So we actually start to... Classical conditioning is where we're going to start giving the dog something pleasant while you walk them through the steps, but you've got to break it right down to that point where, you know, you go to the cupboard yep. uh, where he would normally go, uh-oh, you're going to cut my nails, and all you yep. do is then you give him a treat, and that's the end of the lesson for the day. Uh-huh. So all there right. there might be something like, you know, 15 steps. Yeah, that you need to break this down. And usually in those circumstances, it's done under the um, instruction or control of a veterinarian or a behaviourist to uh, make sure you don't go too fast um, yep. so you can get it done. But if it's a real problem, yeah. uh, then cutting those nails, you might need to um, see your vet about a, an anaesthetic yeah. in the short term. So All right. good luck with that.
0: Yeah, thanks for your call, Barry. And we would love to hear from you, 49216216. Now, David, we're looking at meningitis um, in our no. pets.
1: It's a, look, it's a big topic. And you might say, well, you know, how common it? It's not a very common problem. But I guess in uh, my area of work, we do see it from time to time. And it was highlighted that um, last week we had a patient come in that uh, ended up having an MRI and so on. And, yeah. you know, we found out that it had a, a form of meningitis actually without a known cause. This is a condition called... Uh, meningitis of unknown origin, MUO okay. um, But one of the things that came up was about rat lungworm Because we do see this in young dogs in Australia um, And there's a worm called Angiostrongulus cantonensis
0: Is it as long as its name?
1: It's actually longer uh-huh. um, <laughs> It was first discovered uh, sometime back uh, early last century Around the 1930s I think Or 1920s back in uh, Canton okay. in China okay. Hence the name and it's a the rat is the natural host. It lives in the lungs, and it travels. One of the stages of the lifestyle uh, life cycle. I was going to say lifestyle. It's crazy life <laughs> cycle ci- life cycle of this worm and the eggs and the larvae is it goes through uh, snails, and so that's how pets and to be honest, also people can. Uh, interact and end up um, contracting this disease do
0: they have to eat the snail or just come into contact with the snail
1: either or or you uh, have contact with something that the snails crawled over oh
0: really mm. okay
1: so this is the problem so um, we do have it in Australia the um, the worm the most common snail host is the African land snail and they were eradicated out of Australia in 1977. They were up in the tropics, but the worm is still here. So there's other snails. And it's, a con- it's seen around uh, Sydney and uh, pretty much um, all down the East Coast anyway. Right. So in dogs and in people, it'll actually cause meningitis. It gets into the nerves and migrates through the nervous tissue up the spinal cord into the brain. This sounds fairly it, gruesome. It does. And it's not very good for the pet.
0: So what if the pet has it, what what can we expect? What are some of the, the signs or symptoms?
1: So quite variable depending on where the location of the worm. And we, we think that part of the problem is the worm, but part of the problem is also the body's reaction to it. So you get a massive amount of inflammation, and it's that inflammation that is causing a lot of these symptoms of meningitis. Okay. So if it travels through the spinal cord, you'll get paralysis. Mm. When it gets up to the brain, it can continue to cause paralysis, but it can also cause... Uh, other symptoms including neck pain and seizures and ultimately coma and death. So just being careful around your yard and if there are snails around, um, you know, making sure that uh, we keep water bowls away so yes. snails can't get contact yeah. with them, elevated and hopefully minimise the amount of contact. Um, a lot of people have said, oh, well, what if you put snail bait around? The dog's going to get problems with that. Yes. And that's true. Um, so a friendly blue tongue lizard that has, uh, hidey holes away from your dog or a fenced off area, um, so that the dogs can't get to them, uh, they're probably the best way to get rid of snails.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Mm. But as far as the meningitis is concerned, unfortunately we don't have great treatments for it. I
0: was going to say, can it be reversed? Can, you know, how does it, what happens? Maybe. It, got it? Okay. Yeah. And what, what does that involve?
1: Uh, well, diagnosis means we have to collect spinal fluid and have a look at that. So, yeah. you know, things like a lumbar puncture and so on, um, and some laboratory tests there. And then ultimately they need to be put onto, um, anti-parasitic medication to kill the worm. But even then killing the worm doesn't get rid of the disease and can sometimes cause a flare up. Okay. So we put them on anti-inflammatory medication as well, some cortisone. Hopefully that'll do the trick. But uh, it's just one of those things that's out there that we, uh, you know, always on the lookout for. To be
0: aware, well, we've got snails in our front yard. I Mm. have to stop the kids from playing with them. (laughs) Stop gizmo from playing with them. Oh, God, I'll add that to the
1: Make sure they're well cooked first. (laughs) Uh,
0: Right. Well, remaining humid, sunny, and hot. Uh, Thirty-seven is the expected top, and it's going to remain like that pretty much for the rest of the week and into the weekend. Now, David, you had a couple of interesting cases on the weekend. Mm, mm. What we shouldn't be putting on our pets.
1: Well, I had two cats come in. One, one we was a cat that actually just returned home like this, and he was covered in some sort of petroleum, petrols, maybe kerosene. And we really don't know how that happened, but uh, it's incredibly toxic to cats. Causes yeah. neurological symptoms, and in actual fact, the staff who were working with the cat had trouble standing in the room because of the fumes. She
0: was so. We
1: uh, it also caused some eye injury, and the back of the throat was all inflamed. Whole lot going on. The other one that we had was a cat that the owners, in their in their wish to you know help the cat. Get rid of fleas, that sort of thing. Had bathed it with some water with eucalyptus oil, and these essential oils uh, are very toxic to cats. And this particular little little kitty started foaming at the oh, mouth, no. and yeah, lost control of his bowels and so on. And anyway, he he was okay. They both were, Thank but um, just got to be incredibly careful. Cats are not little dogs. Uh, their biochemical pathways, their metabolic processes are completely different. And it's always best to seek um, veterinary advice about anything that you might be wanting to put on your animal. Sure.
0: We do have one more uh, call here, and that's Ross. Uh, welcome to the show, Ross. You've got a question about um, food for your overweight puppy. No, not overweight. I just wanted to know what, um, how you work out the food ratio for
3: the weight of the dog. Uh,
1: as in what type of food, or do you mean the total volume? Total volume. Oh, okay. Well, look. To be honest, it's a pretty simple calculation. It's calories in, calories out. Now, we do know that younger animals are obviously going through growth phase, so we have to allow for that. Um, and there are charts, and there's different ways of measuring how we might um, get to a number for those calories. Uh, the classical way is that you put the animal in what's called a metabolic cage which are very rare, very expensive. They weigh the animal and they weigh every single thing that comes out of them, including carbon dioxide. And that's how they actually work out what is the metabolic rate of the human or animal. Um, But we can avoid all that and we just use simple calculators. In some ways it's based on body weight, but it's actually body weight to a metabolic calculation is worked out on body weight to a certain power, not just body weight per kilo. Um, but that's often what we default to. We come back to kilos, we come back to the size of dog, age of the dog, and then we know how many calories we want or kilojoules. We then look at the food and what the content is in the food, and that'll tell us how many cups or whatever of food that you need to give. And to be honest, if I I take my dog as an example, it says on on the back of the food I'm supposed to give is three cups a day. There is no way I would feed three cups a day. Okay. We're down to maybe one and a half and she's fine.
0: Yeah, right. So it's a bit of trial and error and judgment. That's
1: exactly it. Every dog, like people, uh, you know, their own person, uh, their own individual characteristics. So you really, you've got those guidelines and then you just adjust up and down depending on the dog's body weight and the dog's condition score. And if you want more information about condition score, you can find some really nifty charts online. Um, Purina actually have one on their website. so
0: Good advice. You go. Thank you, Ros. And that's all about time we've got for Pet Chat. Cheryl Thanks, Shaw, Sarah. Dr David Tabrett, thank you both for coming in. Thank you. It's and our pleasure. I've heard a little birdie say we may have a new vet joining the team at, at some stage soon, yes or well, no?
1: Well, we'll see. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health,